Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes, the blessings of Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 5, Some of Jesus' most famous words, beautifully penned, amazingly perceptive, and poignant beyond belief. In fact, they are poignant beyond belief for some people. In fact, the higher critical text uh, critics don't believe that Jesus wrote these at all anyway. They believe that these words are just too well written for a mere carpenter. I agree, probably too poignant for a mere carpenter. Luckily for us, our Jesus is not some mere carpenter. But to talk about beyond belief, there are some things that are beyond belief. Sometimes the faith in Jesus is beyond belief. I wonder if sometimes you and I don't act in a way that puts the message of Jesus beyond belief. There's a world-class athlete who wrote a book about his life, a name that you'd all recognize, but I don't want to confuse you by telling you his name. But he's a world-class athlete who wrote a book about his life. Imagine that. And he tells a story about his stepfather. His stepfather was an honest, professing Christian. Went to church every week, read his Bible, said his prayers, As far as the rest of the community was concerned, a pillar of his congregation. He talked a good game. He talked about Christ. He did mission trips. But behind closed doors, he had a frightful temper. Used to punish his children for doing stupid stuff. Kid stuff. He'd get beaten for being messy. Like spilling milk and doing things that that little kids do. When the boy was 14, his mother went into the hospital for a surgery. Now, the son had a swim meet, and he's a world-class athlete, so you got to fly to your swim meets when you're that good at 14. Mother's recuperating in the hospital. She can't go to the swim meet. So the stepfather steps up as he's supposed to and takes the kid to the swim meet. As they're getting ready to load the plane, the stepfather's over by himself writing on a notepad. And he writes in the notepad and he pulls it out and crinkles it up and throws it away. And he writes a little more and pulls it off and crinkles it up and throws it away. Writes a little more and does this for 30 minutes. It's a little odd. As the plane is getting ready to board, the the, the stepfather stands up and, and goes to the restroom. And as he's gone, our athlete goes over to the trash can pulls out the notes and stuffs them in his bag to read them later. Later on that day, he's off by himself, opens up his backpack and pulls the notes out and they're love notes. But they're written to a woman that's not his mother. What kind of an impression does Christianity still have with that athlete? When Christians sin, 
Whether our sin becomes public or whether it's private, it confuses the ungodly. It confounds the Holy Spirit. It belittles the righteousness of God. And I dare say it can make faith in Jesus beyond belief. And maybe, and I hope you've not sinned in a big way. I hope you've not had this problem. I hope you've never cheated on your spouse. I hope you've never beaten your children. Although I know some that might could use a lashing once in a while. But we'll do that privately, hopefully. But I ask yourself, does my conduct put the blessings of God out of reach for other people? Is my foul mouth getting in the way of Jesus? Is my pornographic zeitgeist, is my financial disaster, is my slandering and my talking about other people, is my self-righteousness, is my judgmental character getting in the way of the work that the Lord Jesus would like to do in my life as I disciple my loved ones and my friends, and maybe people I don't even know all that way. You and I sometimes act in ways that put the message of Jesus Christ beyond belief. Jesus says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come. But woe to the man through which they come. Yes, there is the forgiveness of sins, but that's not my point right now. My point is right now that your sin. Your sin, your forgiven sin still has consequences. One consequence is sometimes it makes the blessing of Christianity unbelievable for others. It makes it, I dare say, unobtainable. Each year on All Saints Day, we hear the Beatitudes and we read them. And we read them as the beautiful and the poignant words that they are. This good news of God given unto us. And we hear the Beatitudes, but we hear them as sugar and spice and everything nice. But to really understand the Beatitudes as rich in gospel as they are, just for a minute, try listening to them as law. Try to listen to the Beatitudes as the condemnation that we so rightly and justly deserve. Blessed are the meek. How often are you meek? How often do you turn the other cheek? How often do you listen to understand as opposed to convince people that they're wrong? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. How many times you, forgiven sinner, have refused to forgive someone who sinned against you? Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what a peacemaker is? Somebody that loses and loses on purpose. How many times do we fly off the handle? How many times is our response to a situation make the situation worse as opposed to just letting it lie? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. How often do we not say what we do and we're, we're not basing 
our, our decisions upon the word of God and instead basing our decisions on what the world would expect out of us. And we just go along with what they're doing because it's easier than standing out. I think you're getting my point. The purpose of the law is to accuse us. The purpose of God's law is to blame us. The purpose of God's law is to condemn us and to condemn us for our sins, our justly deserved condemnation. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do the works written in the book of the law. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the first of the Beatitudes, and I pray that at this point it hits home. I pray that you feel poor in spirit. That's where you're supposed to be. When you read the Beatitudes, I hope they make you feel ashamed of yourself. They ought to. And it's good for you to feel that way. There's only one person who has ever lived up to these to these high ideas and this, this perfect aspiration. And that is the, the only son of God. It's not us. If you listen to these Beatitudes and you think about Jesus, they match up to him perfectly. These Beatitudes describe the holy son of God, not us. These Beatitudes don't describe us. They're not written about us. As much as we would like to think about how pretty they are. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up to the mountainside and he sat down and he told his disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You hear that? Jesus, Jesus in himself, is the only one that the Beatitudes can talk about. Blessed is he. Jesus, as you've heard many times, has died for your sins upon the cross. But there's another reason that why Jesus is our Savior. There's another reason that why Jesus is our Redeemer. There's another reason why Jesus is, is our Rescuer. And it's called Jesus' active obedience. Jesus is actively obedient unto God the Father Almighty. And he does so throughout all of his life. As a baby, as a toddler, as a teenager, as a mature man, throughout all the days of his life, Jesus lives according to the law and the word of God. Whereas you and I in the press of daily life, we often break under the pressure. We give in to our sinful nature. We break the commandments of God. It's Jesus who has no sin. Jesus who committed no wrong. Jesus Christ, Son of God, who these Beatitudes are blessed. Blessed is He who has kept the law in our place. And yes, Jesus endured the punishment that we so rightly deserve for all of those times that we didn't live a blessed life. For all of those times when we made a situation worse. For all of those times we refused to do what was right because we, we worried about what people might think of us. 
for all of those times that we have not let the blessings of God flow into our lives and out down our streets and cover the sins of our neighbors and our friends and our families. For all of those sins, Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary. And more importantly, the greatest reach of his suffering upon the cross is into and over your souls and mine in the removing of the curse of the law from us. Galatians 3.13, Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it was written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, blessed is He. Blessed is He. But what about us? Can we be blessed? At the end of all of those blessings, Jesus turns in His text and addresses us. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when you're insulted, when you're persecuted, when they falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Jesus says unto you, we will be blessed. How can this be? C.S. Lewis writes, Christ says to give me all. I don't want so much of your money and so much of your work as that I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self. I've come to kill it. There are no half measures that will do any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree put down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it. I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self and I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I'll give you myself. And my own shall become yours. How in the world can somebody completely and utterly empty themselves and to make it so clean that Christ could move in, to reside within us, to partake of this blessedness? This too seems to me a bit beyond belief that I would empty myself so that, so that Christ could have room to move in. And I would say that this too is indeed beyond belief, save for one teaching that comes to us from 1 Corinthians. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. The blessings and the perfection of life, the Christian life, is comes in with and under the forgiveness that Jesus has provided unto us. If it were not for the working of the Holy Spirit, if it were not for the blessings of water and for the food that he has fed us with, we would be unable to give ourselves unto Christ. That's why baptism is so important. Because the old Adam is drowned and Christ comes and makes a home within us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. This is his gift to us. 
This is his blessedness to us. Blessed is he. Martin Luther says it this way for us. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. It has enlightened me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the one true faith. Sanctification means to be made holy. I didn't start holy. I didn't earn holy. I didn't write holy. I didn't fake holy. That holiness has been given unto me. That Holy Spirit has brought you into the blessedness of Christ. Luther keeps going. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. And he keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. As the Spirit has gathered us into the church, he is still calling to whom, to those of whom that we may offended. He is still calling to those that we have confused, still calling to those who are yearning for a righteousness or a peace or a blessing within their own lives. That Holy Spirit is still reaching out to them. This is the, in this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives me all of my sins and the sins of all of the believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all of the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers. This is, this is the climax on that day when we will truly, truly be blessed. On that day, we'll no longer walk by faith, but we'll walk by sight because we will see him face to face. On that day, we will dwell with the Lord God forever. And we pray that the people that we've offended by our conduct will join us there in that heavenly realm. How many people will be in that heaven who had no use for the message of Christ first off, but only by the working of the Holy Spirit has, has the Lord made their hearts ready to accept this message and understand this message of life and salvation? There's an encouraging answer from Revelation this morning. A great multitude of whom no one could count. And with their numbered many, and may we be here and here in eternity. In Jesus' name, blessed is he. Blessed is he. In Jesus we pray. Amen.